All right, so uh, church, we are here. Um, Adam is actually in his home. So through the magic of Zoom and Brandon Evers, we are um, gonna welcome Adam to share the word of God from his home. Um, and so I just wanna encourage you, open your hearts. He's gonna bring a message of the triumphant church and Jesus himself coming in to Jerusalem uh, on the donkey. And anyways, the Palm Sunday. So get your palms ready again. Adam, let me pray for you and then I'll let you have at it. Father God, we thank you for um, gifted people in our church, <clears throat> those who are gifted in public ways, and but also in private ways. God, we know the whole thing is, is just, um, the foundation of that is a heart to serve. And I thank you for Adam's heart and desire to serve. I thank you for his growing gift as well. I pray you bless him as he preaches God's word to us. I pray that we would open our hearts. God, that you would speak to us, not just things we know in our mind, but transforming words for our lives. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we open our hearts to you. In your name we ask. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Dave. Good morning, church. I have my uh, palm branch here. We have a little palm bush in our house, so I won't be waving it, but uh, if you want to imagine the story that we're going to immerse ourselves in here, that'll help as a visual. Uh, Dave has mentioned that it's Palm Sunday, and he read a part of the passage that I want to read now in its entirety. So uh, this is Luke chapter 19 beginning in verse 28 and down through verse 44. So let me read this to us, and then we'll, uh, we'll dive into the story. After this, after Jesus had uh, done many things and told some parables to his disciples and to the crowds, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as Jesus had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? To which they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought the colt to Jesus, threw their cloaks on it, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their own cloaks in the road. And when Jesus came near to the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, they cried. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, even the stones will cry out. As Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day the things that make for peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will leave not one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. So that's the um, classic Palm Sunday story. What most of your Bibles probably have as the heading there is the 
triumphal entry, or mine says Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. And Palm Sunday is the first day of what Christians have traditionally called Holy Week, which is the time each year that we remember Jesus arriving in Jerusalem as king on Sunday. And then throughout the week, his last supper with his disciples, and then finally his betrayal, his arrest, and crucifixion, and burial on Holy Saturday. Holy Week is a week that starts with rejoicing and excitement and building energy, but it ends actually with disappointment and confusion and doubt. Holy Week is really a movement from triumph to tragedy. On Palm Sunday, in the story we just read, we see with Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem that the disciples and the crowds are exalting Jesus as the coming king who will redeem Israel from oppression and exile. Jesus orders two of his disciples to fetch a colt for him to ride, and they do it eagerly because they know the prophecy from Zechariah that the king would one day come to Jerusalem riding on a colt to bring victory for his people. So Jesus for them wasn't just a rabbi or a teacher. He was God's chosen one. It was almost as if God himself had arrived among them. So they put their cloaks on the colt, and as Jesus rides it into town, hundreds and maybe thousands of people are doing what we can really describe as worship. They're bowing down on the side of the road, waving palm branches, spreading their own cloaks in the road, and shouting out in their best Michael W. Smith voice, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I'll trust you guys did the echo in your own homes there. These disciples are really offering almost an act of worship to Jesus as he enters into Jerusalem because their expectations are so heightened for what he'll do. The people recognize with the disciples that this isn't just a normal Sunday. This could go down as his, in history as the day that God arrived to save his people. Now, this scene of the triumphal entry is indeed triumphant in every way, except one. In the middle of all of this, unnoticed by the crowds, Jesus sits on the colt and he's weeping. And Jesus's tears speak of what's to come later in the week. The journey to get to Jerusalem, which they were doing for the Passover festival, is an uphill journey. But everything once they arrive there heads in the opposite direction. Jesus continues to talk and act in a way that really ticks off the religious leaders whose power he has threatened. And by Wednesday of that week, they've had enough. And they've used money that was given to the temple meant to care for the poor to bribe someone to betray Jesus into their hands. They find the perfect candidate for this bribery in Judas, who is one of Jesus's 12 closest followers. And late the next night, Judas does the deed. An angry mob corners Jesus in a garden as he's praying and carries him off to face judgment. One thing leads to another, and by the following evening, Jesus, who had just earlier that week been heralded as God come among us, hangs, beaten and bloodied 
on a cross. A few hours later, Jesus is gone and all hope with him. And we hear in Luke chapter 24, the aching disappointment that his followers feel. He was sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. I guess we got it wrong. I guess he was just another would-be Messiah. I guess God hasn't arrived after all. Holy Week ends with Holy Saturday, which is maybe the most scandalous day in all of human history because it's the day that God himself somehow was dead and sealed in a tomb. And what we see, church, in this descent from triumph to tragedy is how easy it is to miss God's arrival when things don't go according to plan. Jesus himself said it in the last verse of our passage. You did not recognize the time of God's arrival, God's coming to you. It's almost a prophetic statement about the coming week. Even those who thought they did recognize it on Palm Sunday have changed their tune by the end of the week and Holy Saturday because tragedy and death don't easily fit the normal picture we have of God. God doesn't suffer. God doesn't endure tragedy. God doesn't die. No, when, when God arrives, we believe, things go right. They get better. Suffering ends, right? Because God is a God of victory and of power and of triumph. Now, there's no question that God is indeed powerful, right? And that he will ultimately be victorious. We know that Sunday comes, that resurrection happens, and that one day God's triumph will be final and all things will be made right. But the reality is that right now our world is living through an unholy Saturday. That way too many lives are being lost and tombs are being sealed. Right now, church, our world is enduring this suffering and tragedy that is almost beyond comprehension. And many in our world are asking, where is God in all this? And we wonder that too, right? How could God allow such tragedy? How could God be present in such suffering? Maybe we got it wrong. Maybe God hasn't arrived after all. Some in our world respond to these questions and say that in the midst of all of this, God is nowhere to be found. God's not around. If you needed proof that he wasn't around, that he didn't exist, well, here it is. You've got all the proof you need. Others in our world, much closer to home, really, suggest that God is orchestrating and using such tragedy to turn people to himself. But what Jesus reveals to us is that in the midst of tragedy, God is not nowhere to be found. God is not up there. God is down here suffering with us. That God himself has taken on human flesh and taken up and borne our pain 
and our suffering. This is what Jesus reveals to us as God in human flesh. That while we endure the inevitable tragedies that life brings, we are not alone and our suffering is not without hope. This is the significance of what the Christian church has always believed as it is stated in what's called the Apostles' Creed. It says this, I believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. That Jesus not only died, but was buried, is, it speaks to the depth of his human experience. That Jesus has been so deeply united to us that in the words of King David in the Psalms, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. And even if I make my bed in the dwelling of the dead, you are there. Even there, your hand will guide me. That Jesus was sealed in a tomb on Holy Saturday is what allows the Apostle Paul to say after he's been resurrected, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor the present or the future or powers or height or depth or anything else in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All in all, church, the good news to us today is that suffering and death aren't signs of God's departure or his absence, but they're the places of his deepest arrival among us. They're the deepest, most real places that God meets us because God in Jesus endures them with us. Now, that's not to say that God brings them about, but that when they come, God himself is the first to feel their sting. For the disciples, Jesus's crucifixion and his death meant that he wasn't, uh, excuse me, that he wasn't the one to bring redemption, right? The disciples said, we thought he was the one to redeem Israel, but he was crucified and buried. For them, that's the thing, that's a sign that Jesus wasn't the one to bring redemption, but we know that in fact, the crucifixion and death of Jesus are the very things that paved the way for resurrection life to break into the world. And we ourselves, church, and our world are in desperate, desperate need of a community of people who believe this and whose lives bear witness to the fact that even in the midst of great tragedy, God has not abandoned us, but he is with us, he is for us, he is present, and he is at work bringing death to life. And God invites us this morning, Living Word, to be that community. So the question is, how will we respond to God's invitation this morning? Maybe, maybe you'll respond like Al, who many of you know, who just this week decided to take a job assignment to go serve in the city of Chicago on the front lines of the COVID crisis. Maybe you'll respond like Stephanie and her mom and her brother and others in our church community who are working in hospitals, putting themselves at risk in order to care for those who are suffering. Maybe you'll respond 
like Glenn and Becky Venderson, who are staying home and are being amazingly intentional about checking in on their friends and their neighbors and caring for people's needs and caring for people's souls by reminding them that although they're isolated, they're not alone. How will we respond to God's invitation this morning? Well, that's for you to pray and discern and decide with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But what I'd like to do now in closing is to invite us together in our homes, if you're with others or you're on your own, let's declare together the historic words of the Apostles' Creed. Let's unite ourselves together in this moment and with the historic church across time in what we as Christians fundamentally believe and confess to be true about Jesus and the way he has worked in the world. Some of you will be familiar with this. For some of you, it will be brand new. But uh, I believe Brandon is going to be able to put that on the screen for us. And I'm not sure how the technology will work on your end, if you'll be able to follow with me or not. Um, but I'll recite this, and I invite you to join. Uh, and if it's too laggy, you can wait till I'm done and, and say it afterwards. But here are the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we believe in God the Father Almighty, in Jesus Christ, his only Son, and in the Holy Spirit. We believe, God, that you have acted and are acting even now in the world to bring salvation and redemption and newness to every corner of the earth. God, we believe that you have called us as a community to bear witness to that good news, that Jesus is with us in the deepest parts of our suffering, that God is not far off, but he is as near as our own breath. God, we pray that we would indeed be a church whose life together, whose intentional uh, friendships and relationships and caring for others bears witness to Jesus in that. We pray, God, that you would equip us. And even now, as we are scattered and sent out, Lord, would you um, give us the power by your Holy Spirit to be those people, to be that community that can testify to the world that Jesus is Lord, that Sunday is coming, that Holy Saturday and Good Friday are but a blip on the radar, and that resurrection life is breaking into the world even now in the midst of this pandemic. God, we give ourselves to you. We commit ourselves uh, to your purposes in the world. And we pray, God, that you would have your way in our lives. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Amen.